everybody. You're listening to What's the Point Podcast, a podcast of Waypoint Church. My name is Eric Weiner. I'm one of the pastors here at Waypoint, and I'm joined in studio today uh, with my fellow brothers in radio. Hi, this is Pastor Lawrence. Pastor Danny. Yeah, what live at Waypoint Studios here in Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, we're, say, in, we're in the conference room this week, so we changed different rooms. Different the, the whole building is a studio in, in my mind, so. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, it's also not a studio. I don't, maybe I shouldn't say that, but also saying, I also don't know that this is technically a radio show. I just, I've heard other podcasts where they're like, Joined in, ra- this is my radio I think we actually have to be on the radio show. to be considered a radio show. We That's can, neither here nor there. We no, can, uh, we can, we'll keep going. It's like, is it a record or an album or a CD? You know, what do you, what do you cut? Do you cut a record? I guess so. All right, we're, we're podcasting. We're, we're flowing now. We're, we're good. But yeah, anyway, so, um, so yeah, so guys, we, uh, we, were, we were planning to talk this morning about, uh, about we, we're, we're actually going through a lot of different things in, in the Bible right now as a church and in the, in the life of our, our church family. Uh, whether that's through the the sermon series or the the Bible reading plan, or as of right now, we're we're going through this season together called Lent, and so we're, as we're leading up to Holy Week and, and Easter is is right around the corner. I mean, it's it's early this year at the beginning of April. Um, we're already in March, which is just it's just crazy. I mean, it's less than a month away. Easter is coming up, and so. Um, so I just wanted to, to, to dive into some of these topics together and just really um, unpack what, what we're learning, where, where the Lord has us in, in these different places, and uh, just learn about God's Word. But before we do that, before we jump into some of those, uh, those harder topics, let's, let's start with a, with a softball for you. And maybe this is maybe this setting you up, uh, Danny, but uh, what are some highlights of, of things going on in your life in, over the past few months? Yeah, um, well, our daughter Maggie turned 18, so that's, that's cool. Feels She's a little weird now. Yeah, yeah. So she has she has say. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm the parent of an adult. So, but no, it's been great. Wow, we love man. Maggie. She's just yeah. It's just been neat parent to see. Parent of an adult. I don't know if I can I know, handle that. <laughs> I know. It's it's been neat to see God just you just to see her grow and us be able to trust God with her and yeah, it's been good. Uh, ISM International Student Ministry at Duke is now in a new phase. We can actually do some stuff outside. Maybe starting in a week or two. So. So you guys can, yeah, pardon? So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's really so exciting. that's good. And if you're listening out there, you can pray because we're going to try to think of some ways to gather Christians for Easter. Uh, so we're just praying about the best way to do that. Uh, another thing, it's not very spiritual, but WandaVision was really fun for my family to watch. <laughs> Erica actually liked the sitcom elements. She's not the biggest, like, you know, sci-fi comic book fan, but it, it was fun. And, yeah, it's it just kind of a fun thing. And then softball, Waypoint Men's Softball starts next week even though i tweaked my hamstring not even playing softball <laughs> yesterday so i'm i'm a little worried but uh yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna hit the hit the diamond and see what we can do last year we 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 had one win it was a forfeit the other team didn't show up but this year we'll take it one yeah. win and in our defense because of covid they're running special regulations and they condensed all the leagues into one so we should be at the way bottom of the barrel league but we were in the league with the better teams so I think that's going to happen again this season, but we'll see how it goes. We're, we're out there having fun, playing softball for Jesus. <laughs> so It's like the Bad News Bears or something. Yeah. This is Waypoint season. Church. This is yeah. a turnaround season. Uh-huh. You just need a, like an older kid to come in who's really good. Yeah. It's not, right. Yeah. Or like kind of like professionals, you know, act like they're just, oh, no, we're just Waypoint members. Yeah. yeah. So well, we're, well, what we're, about for you, Lawrence? What, what, what do you have going on? Honestly, for me, the best thing that's been happening recently just feels like I see a light at the end of the tunnel of COVID. 
Hmm. You know, uh, my wife being completely vaccinated, I received a vaccination, and um, more people being vaccinated. I feel like there's more opportunities now. I've been like, oh, more people are able to gather together a little bit. Um, this past Sunday's worship service just felt so good. Yeah. Um, I just missed people. Um, Megan actually made a statement. She was in the children's ministry, so she had to watch the, the live stream later. And she came up to me and she said, Lawrence, I could just tell there, when you were preaching, I could just tell that there's a little bit of a different life in you. And not that I, I didn't have that same life beforehand, but I just being able to worship with the body in person just felt really good to me. Mm. You know, it wasn't a, a TV production. It was a, it, was a, it was a worship service for us, you know? Yeah. And so that was a huge deal for me. And then being able to have some more like, you know, one other family to my house now and hang out with them. Uh, that just feels so good. So that was a big highlight for me, uh, kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of COVID. As well as, actually, this month of March, I'm spending the month uh, going to youth group every Sunday. And this past Sunday was awesome hanging out with the youth. It really, um, really kind of wanted to learn what to uh, kind of catch back up with modern technology and pop culture. Uh-huh. That was the purpose of it. So, you know, make sure I don't offend <laughs> anybody with my text messaging, learn what an Instagram story is and all that kind of stuff. So I'm hanging out with the youth. Um, they're going to hopefully I'll become a little more hip and more with it after this experience. But I'm excited about it. It's been so much fun um, hanging out with them. Yeah, that's good. I don't. I don't think any of the youth say hip or with it anymore. But, oh man, so close. Um, so but, if you say hip or with it, you're you're not hip or with it. I think I think that was uh, you just dated yourself a little bit. That's okay though. That's okay. That's, that's why I'm working on it. I'm it's working only on one it. week, so you're you're still learning. Yeah. Um, and how know, about you, Eric? How what are some highlights? Things going on in your life? I know you had a big one in a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah, so back at the beginning of January, we uh, we had a baby girl, and so uh, introduced Natalie Ruth into our home, and I think uh, everything else beyond that's been kind of a blur. So, um, <laughs> what's been happening? I think that uh, you know we uh, Sarah and I did watch WandaVision. Um, as I, I've said before, I think I've I've seen maybe a third of the Marvel movies that are out there, and so uh, so I, I actually was talking to one of your one of your kids at youth group this week, and I was like. I can't believe that like this whole time vision was dead. Like how did, how did, like, and apparently that happened six years ago in a movie that I didn't watch, but you know, you've never seen Endgame and infinity war, all those. I mean, I may or may not have seen those movies. <laughs> so, and so I, I was like talking to him about it and he, it, it seemed like he didn't really understand, like he couldn't comprehend my ignorance in on the topic. So he's like, I don't understand what you don't understand. Or so I, I asked him jokingly, you know, is, is there going to be like a movie that they put out to give some more backstory to how that happened? And he's like, like, they put out 28 movies or something yeah, over a 10 year. He's like, period. but they, they already did that. <laughs> so, he's just, so, um, but we enjoyed WandaVision, even though I didn't know who Wanda or vision were. So, uh, so it's really great. That's funny. And I also learned, um, that Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen have a younger sister. And so that was also like, Mind blowing to me. Yes, when I discovered that 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 Scarlet Witch or Wanda was their younger sister, I was like, "What?" That makes me really old because I was in high school probably when they were little kids, and she's younger than them. So. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So so she is. Uh, I think it was Elizabeth Olsen. She's like a she's a year older than me. So okay, there you go. Wow. Eric, you can let be that, a superhero now. Let that sink in. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna say you got it, dude. 
You got it, dude. I get it. I yeah. I, I know you're saying. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. So um, now to the serious stuff. Yeah. So so now that we've we've got that encouragement from Pastor Lawrence, you got it. You got it, dudes. Um, we're gonna we're gonna hop right in and, and just just looking at our, our sermon series. So we over really since uh, since Advent season. So back in December, beginning of December, we started in this new series looking at Matthew and Isaiah together. Um, which is not something that, that usually happens. I mean, at Waypoint, what we like to do with our sermon series is, is alternate between Old Testament and New Testament books. Um, I don't think it's been, I mean, maybe you guys could, uh, could correct me on this. I don't know that we've ever done a joint Old Testament, New Testament series together. And so, um, you know, it's, it's been really, and, and these are two really crucial, really pivot, um, important books in, in God's Word, in the Bible. And so, uh, what are some things that God has been teaching you in these books over this time? Yeah, for me, I mean, that just the biggest thing is Jesus is like Moses, Jesus is like Isaiah, and Jesus is like David. Like the 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 main the main kind of the one who brought the law, and the one the first prophet Moses, and Isaiah is kind of like the epitome of the prophets. His his prophecy is the longest and. And uh, well, maybe Jeremiah's a few out of lamentations, but he's he brings this prophecy of this Messiah, this David-like figure. So I, I, I'm seeing how Matthew is weaving all three of these people together. Even what I'm preaching on this Sunday, the woes to the Pharisees, it's the same word woe that's used like 12 times or eight times in Isaiah. You know, it's it's mm. there's so much uh, of. The, Jesus is the fulfillment of all their promises. And also learning that Matthew shows that God loves the world, but the plan was to start with the lost sheep of Israel. And that's even what he says to the Canaanite woman, and that's to fulfill his covenant, because his covenant was to Abraham, and then through his descendants, the nations would be blessed. And the final thing I'm realizing is that, you know, as we studied, as we looked at the Pentateuch into Joshua and the Bible reading plan, and people were struggling with, why does God say eliminate the Canaanites and it's really like he's like eliminate the evil of the Canaanites Mm -hmm. but seeing how all the Canaanite people the pagan people are the ones who recognize Jesus there's four women Canaanite women in the genealogy of Jesus and the Matthew is very intentional to show that the magi these sorcerer like fortune-telling guys recognize that Jesus is king but the, the Jewish king rejects him and then Jesus heals the centurion, you know, the centurion servant, and he and he he heals the Canaanite woman's daughter, you know. And I I think Matthew is slowly showing that the good news is for the ears that will hear. Whoever has ears, hear. And even though these the people at the time, the Pharisees and them, they they had the law of Moses, they should have heard it already. They should have heard it through John the Baptist, mm. you know, like, so, so that, that's, those are the main things I'm learning is that the, the good news is for the world. Matthew ends with the great commission, but it's part of this plan that God had from the beginning. And Matthew's really just bringing it all together in such a beautiful way, but hard too. it's the teachings of Jesus and Matthew are hard because he's asking us to be different, to be part of this new kingdom that is very different than the way we want to build our own earthly kingdoms. I just think for us, as we've kind of gone through this Bible reading plan together, as we've done the Pentateuch just, what, a year ago, yeah. for us, as we've read through the Bible, I think what this time for us in the sermon series and the Bible reading plan is doing as we go through Matthew and Isaiah together, it really just shows how this is one meta-narrative. This is one story. 
And it's so incredible. This is you got to remember that Matthew was written 400 years after the last book of the Old Testament was written. Mm. You know, this this is a current for 400 years after. Yet it is just like, it's like it never skipped a beat. It was continuing the story of God and continuing this, this story that's been woven together. And I love how Matthew is just like he's he's really just shouting it out to the people, guys. Don't miss this. This is what God's doing. This is not a new work. This is what he's been doing. He's always been doing, and he's going to continue to do. I just think it's so incredible to see how it's so interwoven and interconnected in ways that we can't even imagine. As we were diving deeper, this is 2,000 years later, we're still discovering new ways how this it's just so beautifully, poetically, intricately woven together in this work. And this is not possible by any man. Mm-hmm. This is God's written word, his revelation to us. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful gift that we have and we see it. And when we can really step back and just see it, I mean, we've been all at the word and how incredible it is and who it's really pointing towards. You know, we see it over and over again. It's always been pointing towards this Messiah, always been pointing towards Jesus. You know, and then be seeing shown and fleshed out in the book of Matthew, and then saying like, like this, Matthew's pointing everybody's saying, yeah, it's all the other books have been pointing towards Jesus. Here's Jesus now, and then here comes Jesus flipping up our idea of what kingdom and life on earth is is just flipping it upside down. You know, giving up the kingdom, um, the Sermon on the Mount, and the Beatitudes, just completely radically shifting our thinking. And it's just such a beautiful work that's transforming this world. Yeah, and I think even even seeing how the the things that Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, how that is um, just woven throughout the entire book of, of the, the entire Gospel of Matthew. That's so it's such a pivotal teaching, and you see him refer back to these teachings throughout throughout the rest of the book, um, and even how that you know is linking to uh, the kingdom of heaven and 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 what how God is bringing heaven on earth and, and through through this messianic figure through Jesus. Um, through God Himself, and and I think uh, you know even at, seeing how many times Matthew is is quoting Isaiah and referring back to Isaiah, and then even like getting into the weeds of it. I think there's a lot of messiness that comes into play, and I think that uh, I think part of the beauty of the messiness is that it, it it makes it real to life. It makes it believable in the sense that like Jesus is actually interacting with and engaging real people in real time and place. And the same thing is happening with Isaiah, where um, you know you have this this moment in, in Isaiah six, where you know Isaiah's Isaiah is cleansed, and then he's like, you know, send me, I'll go. And God gives, and he's like, what's the message, and what's going to happen? And, and uh, you know, it's it's one that's that's not going to be received well, like, the, and that's going to be what what characterizes Isaiah's ministry is uh, having a message from God, being God's mouthpiece to a people. Who, by and large, I mean, even in the past, it's like, yeah, about ninety percent of the people in your generation are going to reject this. Mm-hmm. Are you willing? Are you still? How are you still amped up for? Like, you know, there's the Lecrae song where like, send me, I'll go, and and it's like, no, this is going to be really hard. And even Jesus is seeing that in his own day. He's he's identifying that some of that stuff is happening in his own day, where people, and, and I think even you know, like, connecting with John the Baptist and, and Matthew, where, and in Isaiah. Uh, John is is this voice in the wilderness that, that he's he's the, and it's linked to this this idea of comfort comfort my people and then what happens with John he's he's imprisoned mm-hmm. and he, and he sends word yeah, they kill him and he's beheaded and he sends word he's like Jesus are you are you the one or should we look for someone else and so it's just like th- this guy who at the beginning of John's gospel is like he's saying this is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world and now 
you see John, and it's like th- this one who's saying, you know, saying, comfort, comfort my people. He's the voice, and seeing like what actually happens to that one who's coming to prepare the way is how the people respond. It's just really, it's really powerful to see how Jesus is working in that time and place and how the kingdom of God is coming about th- even in that, mm-hmm. even in that soil, even in that context where, where God is, is working miracles in, in our midst. And I think, I think that's even happening today. But um, that's good. Yeah, what, what encouragement do you guys have as, as we continue to, uh, to go through this series in, in Matthew and Isaiah? Yeah, I mean, I just think, remember, everyone, to see the Bible as one continuous story. Uh, the Bible Project, I know we pump it up a lot here, but it's just because it's, it's well done. You can watch, there's two videos on Matthew, two videos on Isaiah. You can watch them, you know, in, in one sitting and, and just get the big picture of the, of the two books, of how they fit together. Um, I also would say get a study Bible if you don't have one. There's one called the Christian Basic Study Bible if you're kind of new to Christianity or if, if you're just kind of getting into it. And we give out free copies here at Waypoint. So if you want one, let you know. Send, email me at danny at waypointrdu.com, and I'll get you a copy. There's another great Bible called the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible that I highly recommend. And, you know, study Bibles aren't the end all, but they do help as you're processing just to give you some tools to see the background context. And then the other thing is just remember, this is a lifelong pursuit. Every time you come back to these, the gospels, every time you come back to an old Testament prophecy or, or the, a new Testament letter, you're going to get fresh, fresh experiences, fresh insight from the spirit. And as you study it, as we study it in community, as the church, you're going to keep learning. So it's not like you either haven't arrived or you're going to arrive. Like, this is a lifelong pursuit. So during this read-through of Matthew and then as we get into John and and First and Second Kings and Chronicles, you don't have to catch everything. Like, the goal isn't that you know everything about Chronicles or Isaiah by the end of this. You never will. I mean, literally, there are guys around the world getting PhDs just on, like, one chapter of Isaiah. And, and, you know, like one chapter, a whole PhD, and they feel like they don't even understand half of it. So it's simple enough for a child to get it, the good news, the gospel, but it's also a lifelong pursuit of knowing God and, and really learning who we are as his people and how we trust him. So p- press on and, and just enjoy the process. Don't feel like you got to know everything. You know, one encouraging word I'd like to share, um, kind of piggybacking up what Eric said, was John the Baptist was called by Jesus as the greatest born of women. Like, what a title, right? Like, yeah, the, you're like the greatest person ever born called by Jesus. It's pretty high praise. It's high praise, yeah. right? But here was John the Baptist struggling. Mm-hmm. The greatest born by woman was struggling because it didn't happen the way he thought it was going to happen. Mm. Right, I think sometimes in life, as we're living out our Christian life, as we're studying the Bible, as we're pursuing, life isn't going the way we thought it was going to happen. And so sometimes we get disappointed, we get let down, or whatever it may be, guys. But I guess my word is, even John the Baptist, it happened to John the Baptist, you know? But John the Baptist had to then hear from Jesus. Will you hear from Jesus? Even though right now your life with COVID, your work, whatever it may be happening, might not be going the way you expect or you thought it would go. But we need to turn to Jesus. See, he he was not wrong for questioning. He did the right thing by saying, who do I go with my questioning? What do I turn to? What made him great was not because he knew all the answers. What made him great is that he knew to turn to Jesus. And so for you, my, 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 my encouragement would be, 
you're you're not great because you know every answer to the Bible. You're great because you know who to turn to. You turn to Jesus and you ask him, God, I'm struggling in this. Will you help me to see you and trust you and choose you and to follow you in the midst of what I don't understand, in the midst of struggling with what's going on? Yeah, I think those are those are great words, guys. And just uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing a lot of is, is just uh, continue to press in and continue to, to lean into to God and His Word and and, and um, ask questions. Keep keep seeking and, and seeking to understand and, and trust that as you as you seek as you as you seek and knock, God will God will answer. He will find you. You'll you will learn more and you will grow more because He is He's eager and. and uh, eager to, to give that to you, to expend that to, for a spirit to work and move and to open your eyes to, to see and your ears to hear. And so, um, you know, guys, as, we, uh, as we're turning to looking at the Bible reading plan, um, you know, we're, we've shifted from, we finished up Matthew in our, in our Bible reading plan, where now we're looking at John in addition to uh, some books in the, in the Old Testament right now. And so um, going from one gospel to, to another and uh, John's a little different than the, than the synoptic gospels, but um, any, any thoughts or encouragement you have for everyone as, as they're beginning John and as they're, as they're starting to wade through the waters of John, especially on the heels of, of Matthew, you know, after finishing with yeah. Matthew? Yeah, so this was intentional. Uh, I, when I was, you know, I took this historic Bible reading, two-year Bible reading plan and then tweaked it a little bit for our sermon series, but I wanted to put Matthew and John back to back in the New Testament reading just so that you could see how John is different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of the similar accounts, where John only has a couple of the accounts. They're called the synoptics. That's just kind of like a seminary academic word, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, a lot of scholars think maybe Mark was written first, and then the other two use that kind of as a structure. Uh, the general thought is Matthew is showing Jewish people how to become disciples of Jesus so that they can participate in this kingdom of heaven that he brought um, and that they can make further disciples of all nations. So it's Matthew really shows how Jewish people need to see Jesus as the Messiah of Isaiah. Mark is just that Jesus, God's son, he's a king, he's a servant, he came and he died and he rose again and we just need to confess him. Like, it's just very straightforward. It just jumps right in to Jesus' ministry. Uh, Luke is linked to Acts. Luke is a, a full picture, and it's really to help us see the, how the church was birthed, from the birth of Jesus to Paul's imprisonment in Rome. And he puts, so Luke and Acts are one continuous story, but he wants you to be confident in Jesus. And he also wants like non-Jewish people to understand how the Old Testament is their story now. So he, he really helps bring the two together in a way that Matthew just kind of assumes that you have some Old Testament background where Luke maybe explains things a little better to those who, who didn't have that background. And then John. John is written special. It's, it starts off with this kind of almost like Greek philosophy prologue that's a link between Genesis 1 and Greek philosophy, and it's just kind of helping everyone see that Jesus is different, and that if you read this gospel, you'll, you'll get the light, you'll get the good news. So as you go into John, you'll notice that, you know, that there's just a couple narratives. We studied John as a church not that long ago, so hopefully you have some of that background. But yeah, just enjoy John. We're reading it slowly, so just, just let it soak in. That's my advice. Yeah, Clement of Alexandria said that uh, John was a spiritual gospel. And it's not that they're all spiritual, not that he's not actually correct in that statement, but it almost feels like 
the synoptics carry this kind of like, I just want to get the information out there. You know, this is who Jesus is, no Jesus. Mm-hmm. John almost feels a little more philosophical. You know, like know the person of Jesus. Here, the first synoptics kind of feel like here's the actions of Jesus. Here's what he did. Now, philosophically, he know the more the person of Jesus. Kind of has a little bit of that feel to it. Um, but I love that we're reading them back to back because God is intentional. Um, he wrote the Bible in such a way that's called organic inspiration, where he was intentional about using the the authors that he wrote used to write the Bible to use their perspectives, their skill sets, their everything, their human whoever they are. So that write it for intentional reasons, showing different elements, showing different things, showing different times. So I love it. For Matthew was one to focus a little bit more on uh, Old Testament Jewish traditions. You were talking about Luke came across more of a historian. Maybe John wants. Maybe he's older when he was writing this, as some people believe, scholars mm-hmm. believe, that he's becoming more philosophical, and he wants to write in such a perspective that for us, that so many of us are we're approaching this scripture from different places, different times, different viewpoints, and what a beautiful gift it is that scripture is written in different ways too and yeah so just enjoy john and then when you get to the end of chapter 13 jesus gives this final discourse to his people that we don't get in matthew mark or luke where we just learn about the spirit and we learn about that god's going to pour out the spirit that it's better for jesus to leave and and that god's plan all along was for to build his church and we're part of that so there's just it's just such a good rich book so get to know john well and I've even seen some commentators refer to John Scott, John as the uh, the evangelist. Like he's he's very intentional in trying to communicate Jesus is God. He is he's the Lord. He's he's Lord and Savior. He's he's um, and so. Uh, but I, but I just love some of the very like a bunch of these different stories at the beginning of John's gospel where it's like Jesus says one thing and, and these people totally misinterpret it or they're they're like misunderstanding. And just the even the contrast between uh, Nicodemus. And the the Samaritan woman at the well is just such a powerful way. Of, like this religious leader who is is struggling and, and trying to get it and just misses it. And then uh, he's like, "How can I? How can a, a person go back into uh, be born again?" And then you know, this woman at the well is like, "This man told me everything I ever did. Could he be?" And she didn't even know all of the. Uh, you know, they weren't even reading the, the entire Old Testament as as we call it, but. Um, just to see how God, you know, he's still working, still working with people. And, and yeah, and, and um, John puts those stories back to back. Right, in on, chapter purpose, three, on purpose. One's and in so chapter seen, four. They didn't happen yeah. the next week. Right. Like John's yeah. intentional, yeah. So I just, I love some of the intentionality in that and just seeing that, like, how, how the, these stories put together, how they, how they have, they're, they're intentional. They're, the, the placement of them are intentional in, in trying to communicate mm-hmm. uh, different, different themes, different ideas, and uh, just how God is working, how God works in our world and, and how he has worked and uh, in and through his son, Jesus. And um, so it's really powerful. I really, really enjoy it. Which could lead me into another shout out for the show, The Chosen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chosen right. season one has the Nicodemus scene where where John's kind of taking notes. He's over. He's listening, eavesdropping on uh, the conversation with yeah. Jesus and Nicodemus. And then it has the women. Uh, the woman at the well, the Samaritan. So that's Samaritan what made me think of yeah. it when you shared that. I was like, "Oh man, I chose and showed that so well." Yeah, 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 they did. yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of rem- like in my small group. I was uh, the other week. I was like, "Have you guys heard of the chosen?" They're like, you mean, have you asked us that for the fifth time now? I'm like, <laughs> okay, fine, sure, whatever. Well, then well, that's when you follow up with, "Well, have you seen it yet?" Yeah. No. Okay, then. Have you heard of the yeah, chosen? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Um, yeah, guys. So, so looking at the different gospels, but now uh, you know it, within the Bible reading plan, one of the, one of the beauties of of the Bible reading plan that we're going through is that uh, it does it does invite us to read 
uh, widely. It invites us to read from different parts of Scripture at at the same time, and and however you do that, maybe you do that all in one day, or you do that uh, over the course of multiple weeks, or, you know, you have your own schedule, but... um, you know, looking at First Kings and Second Chronicles, which is where we are in the in the Bible reading plan right now, um, you know, ha- contains a lot of a lot of challenging accounts, um, and there's there's a lot of disobedience, there's a lot of evil kings, and and just uh, you know this this historical narrative that that's going on in God's Word, and so uh, you know, how would you how would you explain some of that stuff that's going on? And even, you know, there's this, this history of the, the divided kingdom, you know, it was the United Kingdom under David and Solomon. Now you have this, you know, it's divided. You know, what, how would you, what, what words of encouragement or things would you, do you have to offer for people as, as they're, they're working through this and they're hearing some of these really challenging things that uh, these really evil kings were doing and, and leading the people in these different directions? What? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, and, the Pentateuch was hard, Joshua and Judges were hard, and the Kings and Chronicles are hard because it's it's evil people disobeying God and turning to pagan gods over Ma- and over Maybe the, the question should we should start with is, wh- which Old Testament book is easy? Can we start with that one? <laughs> None. None. Uh, okay. But, but they're, they're all beautiful on, yeah. because they show God's patience, they show God's redemption, they show God's reconciliation, his desire to just have people turn, repentance... You know, turn back to him. Even the Matthew passage that Lawrence preached on last week is like the sin in the church. It's like the goal is to get people to turn back to God. No matter how bad you are, no matter what you've done, just stop and turn back to God. And and that's what these these accounts are about. And they're like, what happens when people don't turn back to God? They face the consequences of their sin, and, and God allows them to do that. But I, I think as we're thinking about these these books, one thing I want to say is, again, like I mentioned earlier— this is a lifelong pursuit. So if this is your first read through of Kings and Chronicles and Samuel, like just read it. Uh, what I do for the Bible reading plan is I read the New Testament stuff once a day, and then I read all the Old Testament stuff like on Saturdays, just in one sitting. It takes me about 15, 20 minutes because the counts are similar. It's like good king or bad king. Mm-hmm. This king built an altar to Baal on the high places, or this king destroyed the altar to Baal on the high places. This king listened to the prophet of God or this king didn't listen to the prophet of God. You'll notice a pattern. So I, once we got into Kings, I just, I just read it all in one sitting and then do the new Testament one each day, just cause I can digest that a little, little better. That's, that's how I do it. But it, but first and second Samuel are about David and this kingdom. And it's interesting. It's called Samuel and not David. It's intentional. David's mm-hmm. the main dude in the old Testament. He doesn't get a book named after him. So there's something about the prophet that's really important, you know, Samuel. And then there's there's something about how all of a sudden First Kings starts with David's sons fighting, you know, and they start being like, who's going to be the next king? Mm-hmm. And as we move into Second Kings, the kingdom's divided because because of David and then Solomon's sin and the, Solomon taking many wives. And we can talk about polygamy on another day, but it's the Old Testament shows over and over again. It's a bad idea. And in this divided kingdom, Israel, the, the northern kingdom, the kingdom that Samaria or called the kingdom of Israel, where Samaria is their capital, they never get a good king. Every king does evil. And the prophets come to them, prophets like Elijah and Isaiah, and they say, hey, change your ways. And they're just like, nope, we're going to do it our way. The southern kingdom, every once in a while, Asa, Josiah, Hezekiah, they get some good kings, but generally they don't. Generally, even their kings turn, but even their best kings 
make mistakes. And that's why we need a Messiah. That's what the prophets. So all the prophets that we read about are taking place during this time. Like Isaiah is actually in Second Kings. And Chronicles, again, is just the whole story all together from Adam to the exile. So my main encouragement to you is just keep reading it and get familiar with it. Do you guys think that, you know, as, as we're reading through some of these Old Testament narratives, um, you know, we, we read something like First Kings or, you know, Second Chronicles, we're reading the Chronicles and, you know, Samuel. There, there's obviously this the, a very different cultural moment, cultural time, that, that, and, and even like the governments, the political circumstances. Do you, do you feel like, though, part, part of the disconnect for, for people can be that we can't imagine living in a time that's as wicked as it, it seems like that is, where, where things are like... I mean, absolutely. I think we've like we, is is our day really so different, or is it that we've just created ways of talking about some of the things that that are hard in our culture right now that that makes it seem like these aren't as like we we have progressed since then, like we're like not as bad as they were. Like, so I don't know about progression. I think we have to understand a few things. Like one thing in particular, I always struggled with when King Josiah took over. He's like um, eight. Yeah, he was eight. But one of the big things that I had to struggle with was like. They had to, like, rediscover the temple and rediscover the law. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how did you have to rediscover it? it was, it's been 55 years, right? And, like, 55 years is a long time, but yeah. it's not that long, right? But if you think about it, what was life expectancy back then? Mm-hmm. You know, how long did people live? They didn't have the modern healthcare systems. People didn't live to be 100, 100 years old and full of health back then. People lived and died early. It was, it was a lot of, you got to think of warlords and, you know, it's going to sound silly, but like, I think of the movie Scorpion King, you know, like... Um, these it's, it's, it's a different war-torn, battle-driven, strong-survived type of culture. And so I think 55 years is a really long time. So I and think understanding sometimes the scope of, of time and culture is different, yes. But I also don't think it's any different in regards to sinfulness. Yeah. I think we're just as sinful. I think the most equivalent level of sinfulness. Yeah, I, I think that their kings were just bad. Like they just wanted to do selfish things and that's kind of what it shows. Now we're getting it from hindsight. You know, these are written like in hindsight showing, you know, the, the flaws of the kings and, and the prophets of God coming to them uh, saying, you know, turn back to God. Now the kings, once Solomon started getting some power, all of a sudden they couldn't handle that power. And initially, God said, you don't need a king. You just need me. Like he had told them that from going back to Moses. But they wanted a king, and the kings, and he says, the kings will exploit you. The kings will seek power. The kings will have many wives. The kings will literally steal your wives. And all those things come true that God told them would happen if they didn't trust him. So I I think the story just keeps showing that they needed a a servant king. They needed Mm -hmm. the right king. And that's kind of like what the second half of Isaiah is about. So, so I think what we glean from it, especially in your first reading, is just that God works through history and God works through the good and the bad and God is always saving a remnant. And any time someone turns to him, he'll, he'll pour his heart out to them and forgive them and give them the spirit and give them what they need to survive, to, to make it each day, to trust God. So I, so I think, but it also shows that power and and injustice is real and it's hard and people will when kings get a little bit of power they're going to be unjust they're going to be greedy they're going to be selfish and we're no different than them 
as soon as we as the church get a little bit of power, we do the same thing. So I, I think there's a lot we can glean. And we will study uh, Joshua and Judges and the uh, Kings and Chronicles and Samuel as a church in about a year from now, a year and a half from now. So yeah. it's coming. We're gonna we're not going to skip over the stuff at Waypoint. Yeah, I, I just think, too, like we've... Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have seen, I've seen some of these like clickbait type articles where it's like ranking U.S. presidents from worst to, to uh, best and all this, all this kind of like, who's the worst president of all time? Or who's the best president of all time? And just, um, but even, even just thinking about like in my lifetime of, uh, you know, we're in Biden's administration now, we just had Trump, there was Obama and Bush and, um, you know, it's not too much more after that for my lifetime, but uh, anyway, um, <laughs> But and Clinton and uh, but but even just like seeing you know what what were some of the like what were some of the effects of, of things that were happening or, or that they, like some of the policies that they put into place and how that has affected our society as a whole or you know how like what what kind of influences how it's taken shape and who we are and or like what the, the circumstances that that surround us right now that we're we're encountering and, and I just think like the way that the leader goes so goes the people and and I think that even though we have presidents in a very different uh, governing system, it, it's still, there, there's still some of that true even today that we, we encounter and we experience. And um, maybe we don't judge in, in some of these spiritual terms all the time and thinking about, uh, about world leaders, but I think some of those things are, are in play. And, and I think can, uh, so, so reading some of these counts is, can be very relatable and just understanding, okay, like this is, uh, this is happening gradually and it takes time. And we don't even always take the time to look at what actually is the impact of or the, the influence that, that is and, and how far reaching some of those things are. And so I just think it's interesting to see how, how this is playing out th- back then and how it's how God, like you said, Dan, God's still working through human history and, and, and we still we're still in need of a the servant king, the servant the servant leader Amen. to um, to to reign and rule and um so, so another another aspect of this is we're looking at the, these accounts is is uh, the prophet Elijah, and so uh, we just got to the to the prophet Elijah mm-hmm. last week and in, in last week's reading. But how are we to see these accounts of prophets like Elijah and their interactions with the kings of Judah and Israel? I think well, first of all, I think Elijah is one of the coolest prophets out there. I love I love the story oh, yeah. of Elijah. It's very yeah. fun. But one of the things that I think we should jump out at is Elijah and Elisha. Some of these prophets were actually for the northern kingdom. And I think we forget that. Like, we forget that because the northern kingdom is the one that actually got pretty much wiped out, right? And there's the southern kingdom that ended up, you know, still being in existence. The line of David. The line of David yeah. and everything. And they had Jerusalem. Exactly. Yeah. They had Jerusalem. And so it's very interesting to note that these prophets were, they were well, we need to understand who prophets were. They were not fortune tellers. They were not um, soothsayers. They were not coming out and saying, this is what's going to happen. They were literally just mouthpieces of God trying to say, restore people to covenant faithfulness. And they were rest- attempting to restore people to covenant faithfulness in the northern kingdom, but the kings, um, as Danny said earlier, they had not one single good king in the northern kingdom. Not one. The southern kingdom did a little bit better. They had like, I think they had eight out of 20. So like maybe like four, you know, 40%. They were, they were doing a little bit better, you know? But they had 80, um, zero good kings in the northern kingdom. So it's interesting to see how the, the major prophets that are kind of highlighted, the, the huge prophets, were all for the northern kingdom. And the proclamations that they were prophesying came true because people did not return to covenant faithfulness. Yeah, and they don't, yeah, I, I think people think, oh, prophecy is, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, this is what will happen if you disobey God. But if you turn to God, this will happen. 
And everything they say, there's nothing that a prophet said that wasn't basically said in Deuteronomy or, yeah. or that wasn't from Moses initially. Like if you do these things, if you turn to God, you will get the, bl- the blessings and the benefits of the covenant. If you disobey God, God will turn his face from you and allow you to, you know, suffer the natural consequences of, you know, let Baal save you. If you want to worship Baal, let Baal save you. Let these, these other gods. And, but there's always this idea that it, this remnant in God is faithful. So, so for me, the prophets really are just a warning to us today to say anyone with power needs prophets in their life. Anyone with any type of position or power needs someone speaking into their life saying, you know, hey, man, humble yourselves humble be humble look at the look at uh the beatitudes look at the fruit of the spirit is that just because god gave blessed you and gave you something what's your posture do you think it's yours and you you did it or is it god's mm-hmm. are you a steward of god's resources are you the servant king or are you a selfish king and i think that's the role of the prophet and i to be honest we still need prophets to this day and that's why we have lay elders at waypoint one of the role of a lay elder is just to to not be on staff to not be paid to just say hey i'm here to pray for waypoint and to say you know i mean they don't really stand on the street corner or anything and yell at us but (laughs) but but to say hey lawrence danny eric staff are you guys honoring god are you are what we do are the things we do and the things we say and your lifestyles are we honoring god with what we do and if we're not let's turn back to god and, and and trust him. So so I think the role of the prophet, the kings isn't just about kings. It's about the prophets too. That's why Elijah and Elisha, first and second kings, that's why they have such prominence. And in second kings, Isaiah has such prominence because the writers are intentional. The authors of, of those books and the, the uh, folks who compiled it and the editors are intentional to show us that the prophets are part of God's plan and I think Matthew's showing us that Jesus is the prophet and John the Baptist is the prophet. And yeah. we need to turn to God because they're, you know, Jesus is the prophet telling us to turn to God and he is God. It's so interesting to see, like, even the kind of David, we make, you said David is a man after God's own heart. And we see, we think of that, we think of the David fighting the giant, David going to war and think that's the way he's the man after God's own heart. But I think what's most profound about David, what makes him such an incredible character study being a man of God is when he gets confronted by the prophet by prophet Nathan mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. so when you see the role of king being confronted by the role of prophet he could have easily as role of king said forget you yeah, off catch with your you head. out yeah. off with your head I have more powerful armies but he doesn't mm-hmm. he seeks repentance he's broken he writes this beautiful Psalm 51 you know mm-hmm. and I think that's when we see the, the, the offices enacted well and ultimately that's what we see ultimately in Jesus that we see in one person, um, all the offices fulfilled perfectly. You know, the role of king, prophet, and priest. You know, mm-hmm. so the threefold office that we're actually showing and expressing through prophets like Elijah and through the evil kings and good kings, we see. And then the whole priesthood is still existing. We see the offices being fleshed out in the Old Testament. How ultimately it's going to be fulfilled in Christ. And the prophets in Kings and Chronicles have to also condemn the priest because mm-hmm. sometimes they go along with the king or. Right. They become power, powerful and selfish, too. So the prophet's role is to balance out the king and the priest to make sure that people are honoring God. I think even, you know, as, as we're processing these things, I mean, it, it kind of seems 
you know, in, in context now, and even even knowing more more of the biblical story, that like a miracle that David even responded with repentance right. the, the way that he did. And um, but I think even you know relating it back to our own day that. Uh, there's still there are prophetic voices like there are prophetic ministries as, as you guys are referring to where, where we're still hearing and needing these calls for um, to turn back to the Lord to, to return to him to, to humble ourselves and um, but I think it's also you know not every prophet was a good prophet not every prophet was speaking the truth about God and and um, actually speak like serving as a mouthpiece for for his word and, and where where God was leading the people and so there's there is discernment in that it just even, you know, which which voices do we listen to? And I think that's, uh, again, a call to, to know God's word. And so we, we encourage you to c- continue to seek to, to know God's word and, and um, to trust him, to trust to trust God as, as he's revealing, as he's uh, opening your eyes to these things. And, and also to, you know, I think some, hearing a testimony like Michelle's son, where she's, you know, th- these people in our church who are, who are studying the word together, how they're, they're doing it in community. I encourage you to, to keep pursuing it in community as, as you seek to ask uh, honest questions and, and to hope for and expect honest answers as, as we seek to, to be the, the family that God has called us to be. And so, um, guys, we, we, need to, we need to wrap up here, but uh, just want to give you kind of a, a last, last uh, kind of a summation. So we had this last topic we were going to discuss, Lent, and just this, um, the, the Holy Week and, and Lent being in a part of our, our church's calendar. And, and just, um, you know, if, if you could just Briefly share, what is Lent? Why are we in, incorporating it? And, and how can we be preparing for it this, this season? So, yeah. So we're coming more from a Baptist tradition, non-denominational slash Baptist. A lot of our folks came out of. Some of our folks grew up Presbyterian or Methodist or uh, something that actually practiced the church calendar more intentionally. But here at Waypoint, we feel like this is a good thing. And what Lent is, it's just 40 days before Easter. It's a time to prepare your hearts, to confess, to remember that we came from dust, we're returning to dust, and it's only because of God's grace and God's Spirit that we even have life and that we have His Son and the regeneration of the Spirit. So it's a time to just reflect on our brokenness and God's faithfulness in preparing ourselves for the Last Supper and and preparing ourselves for Good Friday when we remember the crucifixion. And then, and then... You know, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus, we celebrate that Jesus rose again. Um, the church calendar starts with Advent, then it goes into Christmas, Epiphany, which is the day when the when the Magi came. Uh, and then there's a season of, of Lent, which starts, like I said, 40 days, and then there's Good Friday and Easter, and then there, we remember the Ascension, and then we get to Pentecost. So we're going to celebrate. So my my short answer is why do it? You know, it's not in the Bible, but we're going to celebrate holidays as as people. We celebrate Fourth of July and Christmas and these. Uh, there's cultural holidays, but as the body of Christ, we need these holidays. Actually, this is something that was established in the Old Testament. They had they had a series throughout the year of celebrations, and then they also had times to repent and mourn and ask God for God's forgiveness and. The Christian calendar is just a beautiful thing that the church gave us, you know, that's over 1,500 years old that just gives us seasons of remembrance. Now, is it perfect? Is it, is it God's word? No, but it's it's helping us understand the gospel and understand Christ's relationship and who we are as the church better. So I, I really like it for me personally. We do have a Lent prayer guide. If you haven't been doing it, that's fine. You can you, We'll actually repost it on Realm just so that it, it goes up alongside this podcast or i'll put it in the i'll put it at the bottom 
But yeah, it's just a short way to pray over Lent and then Holy Week. Holy Week is Palm Sunday, Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, Spy Wednesday. That's just the day when Judas, they call it, I think that's a cool name. There's multiple names, but I chose Spy Wednesday because I knew Lawrence would approve that. (laughs) That's the day when Judas, you know, betrays, you know, goes to betray Jesus. Monday, Thursday, and Monday just means, you know, instruction because Jesus gives his disciples his final teaching that day. You know, before this, before he he resurrects, he gives them his teaching to love one another, and then the Lord's Supper. And we're actually at Waypoint going to have a Monday Thursday reflection time where we can take the Lord's Supper. Many of you, because of COVID, have not physically taken the Lord's Supper at in among the body in a long time. So we're going to have a safe way to do that. And Good Friday is the day we remember the resurrection. Holy Saturday is the day we remember Jesus' descent to the dead, and Resurrection Day is the day we remember. You know, Easter is the day we we celebrate. Now, yes, we can celebrate Easter every Sunday, and we do. It's always the Lord's Day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But this is a special day to really reflect and remember. So that's my short answer why this is good and why we're doing it at Waypoint. I love it. God, God in the Old Testament called his people to festivals, the times of celebrating and rejoicing, to also times of prayer and repentance. Mm-hmm. And so these are rhythms that God has intentionally put into our lives because I mean, we, we need it as people. I, I combine it to two different things. I think about it in two different ways. One is a tradition. You know, like I love traditions on like Thanksgiving or on Christmas that you have with your family. That brings intimacy, connectivity, shared traditions, shared culture, shared experiences is what brings a family together. And I also like the idea of two of those, of discipline. You know, like in a busy world, um, kind of taking time to remember to do things that build intimacy and build time together. It's so important. So, like, for example, my, I, I shared family dinner on certain nights. It was something very big for my family. So these are ways I look at these things that God's blessed us with, is that he's blessed us with these beautiful shared traditions for intimacy and closeness as a family. He's built it into us so that we can grow and appreciate and understand more of what he's done. And then we can also remember um, into our rhythms of life who God is and how he fits together. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's really powerful. I think uh, you know, it's this is a uh, an important time in 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 the the life of our church as as we are walking towards we're we're trying to remember as and uh, remind ourselves of who Jesus is and what he's done and that we this is not a a one-time thing, but it's a it's a something we do annually that we we want to remember. We these and these are big celebrations as you guys are talking about that we we need to repent ourselves. We need to confess ourselves. We need to rejoice ourselves. We need to uh, celebrate ourselves. And so um, Waypoint Church, as, as we've talked about these various topics in uh, in the Bible and in the life of our church, I hope that this is this has blessed you. I hope that this is uh, a helpful um, conversation, helpful resource. As, as hopefully we've arrived at some kind of point that uh, that, that highlights again that Jesus Jesus is who He says He is, and that He's He's trustworthy. That He's um, He is the 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 prophet, priest, and king. He's the Messiah. He's He's uh, the good shepherd. He's, he's all these things and, and, and so much more. And so, and, and God's word invites us to, to learn more and more as we discover is he's, he's all over the place. He, he shows up all over the place that, that God's word centers on, on Jesus. And, and so we are, uh, and we're people who are marked by that. And so, uh, Waypoint Church, I hope that, uh, you have a great week. Any last thoughts for you guys? No, just use this time to prepare your hearts. And when we get to Holy Week, there's a reading each day, even if you're not doing the Bible plan, like try to try to do the readings just to really just reflect on the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ as we prepare our hearts for his resurrection. And Waypoint Church, you're not alone. 
You're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your joys. But we're called to be family together. So reach out to family, even in hard times, even when you don't feel like it. Reach out to family as you need to. Share these traditions together so we can be more intimately and closely aligned as family. And um, continue to find ways to love each other well. Amen. Amen.